Hey there, welcome to episode 5 of Fire the Family Podcast. I'm your host Nick, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. I'm actually sitting here watching the Oklahoma Sooner football game. A big Sooner fan, we're currently beating Houston 28-10 to in the season opener, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, today's episode is going to be about the upcoming recession, or at least the recession that may never come, the one that may be in the future, the one that may be happening right now, uh, that recession, the next recession is how I should put it. And ultimately just kind of defining what a recession is and just going over the high points. You may see in the media, that's a really big uh, topic right now, is the uh, upcoming recession. You have one side, it's really politically split, you have one side, largely the Democrats, that uh, seem to be trying to create an economic recession uh, just from hysteria and uh, the narrative that they're pushing. You have the Republicans that really, really don't want that to happen coming up on the next election. Uh, Trump, you know, that would be something that he would not like to happen uh, going into the, uh, the election cycle. Um, but ultimately, what is a recession? Recession is uh, ultimately when there's a period of temporary economic decline Uh, When the GDP, the gross domestic product, uh, falls in two successive quarters, ultimately that is a recession. We don't largely know that we're in a recession until usually the second quarter, uh, maybe just before that. And some of the geniuses on the economy side would probably know a little bit closer, you know, a little bit earlier than that. But the average American, the average consumer uh, won't really feel the effects of a recession until it's already happening. And that, that alone should kind of take away some of that fear that, that some people may be feeling. But um, the last recession was the Great Recession in 2009. And I, I remember that. I was my high school, my senior year in high school. And uh, while that was 10 years ago, um, you know, I do, I do remember kind of watching that unfold. Um, obviously learned a lot in the, in the years after when they could kind of go back and and uh, debrief and, and hindsight 2020 it and, and you know really look at what what really happened and and really what led to the Great Recession was international trade imbalances, uh, lax lending st- standards, and the real estate bubbles that uh, ultimately had burst uh, during that time and uh, foreign trade was really messed up. Banks gave loans to pretty much anyone with a pulse and real estate prices were dramatically overinflated. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Big Short, but uh, one of my favorite movies. And while obviously there was embellishments because it was Hollywood um, and entertainment value and everything, the large premise of it was pretty accurate and uh, really kind of fun way to learn. And I wish there were more movies on uh, on you know, uh, historically accurate happenings. But um, it was interesting to watch the people that made a lot of money on the, the Great Recession and the people that lost an awful lot of money, which was the majority of people. Uh, stocks declined, 401ks obviously lost value. Uh, pretty much anybody invested in the stock market saw a huge temporary decline. And temporary is the, the trigger word there. That's the key word, the one to remember. It's temporary. Um, recessions are not nearly as bad as depression. So uh, the, the definition of a depression is uh, when the GDP, gross domestic product, falls by 10% or more. And you can see that that would be a major, major issue. And they last quite a bit longer uh, than a recession. And 
typically have longer standing effects. This is kind of where you start getting into some effects of health and wellness of the population, a lot of homelessness and you know, stagnant wage growth, stagnant jobs, uh, job growth, industries real, really slow down, people stop spending, start hoarding their cash, which means less money going into the economy. Uh, ultimately, depressions are not where you want to go, um, and hopefully we don't experience one of those in, the, uh, in our lifetime. But I don't know after the last big depression, a lot of uh, laws and regulations were put in place to really mitigate that ever happening again at that extent. Um, so why are recessions bad? Uh, recessions increase suffering among people. Anytime there's less wealth, there's less money being produced, there's less jobs, there's less, um, ultimately less growth. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not good for people. It's not good for their mental state, not good for their well-being, overall well-being. There's less opportunity for promotion and wage growth, uh, increased unemployment, larger strain on the healthcare system, and general, just a general pessimistic outlook. Um, you know, you got to get tired of the negativity all the time in the media, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but uh, during a bear market or a large down, long-term downturn, uh, that ultimately is the outlook. People are trying to make money on the downside. People are trying to time the market and, and enter and, uh, when stocks are at their bottom. And when we're in a recession, who knows where the bottom is? Uh, it, could just keep, it could just keep falling out. But well, they're not all bad. Why are recessions good? A hard, it's basically a hard economic reset. So um, there's lower inventories and prices. Companies don't hold as many as much inventory. They stop producing as much, which means that they can hold more back or they can get rid of their inventory before producing more. Uh, and prices go down. So ultimately, that's kind of a nice little uh, reset button. While it doesn't go back to levels before the last bull market. It definitely gives, you know, just kind of a break and, and brings the prices back to a reasonable level. Uh, reduced inflation, balancing economic growth, increased invest, investment opportunities, and weeds out people living beyond their means, which this could kind of be a negative uh, for those people if you're overextended, if you have way too much debt, if you have, uh, you know, a big real estate portfolio that you're, uh, that's out of balance, then uh, that's something that would definitely impact you. Uh, an economic recession is an opportunity. I don't care what way you cut it. it this is the way I, I prefer looking at it. And while I don't hope that a recession happens, uh, I know it's going to. Whether you know whether that's tomorrow or that's ten years from now, we're going to go through another recession. Um, it's a cyclical event, and uh, they happen. So best be prepared for it and learn how to capitalize on it. So my ultimate strategy is is. Not to do anything crazy, I'm not going to be timing individual stocks or anything like that, but uh, uh, as prices go down, I'll probably dollar cost, continue to dollar cost average, which means I'm just going to keep investing month after month after month, getting my company average in my 401k, and then my personal Roth IRA, I'll probably uh, increase uh, how much I, I put into that. And I, I would be doing that anyways, um, as our savings rate increases, but I would also... Uh, would probably do it a little bit faster clip if the market's in the middle of a downturn. So I want to buy as much stock as I can uh, at lower prices, at sale prices, and then when it bounces back, um, it's uh, that's when you'll see all the benefits. So while everyone is contracting during the recession, I want to be expanding into it. Um, and a lot of people did this during the last one. A lot of people 
Uh, we're buying up properties at lower value, buying stocks at lower value, buying companies at lower value. And on my website, firethefamily.com, the post that this is going on, I point out um, uh, Google, the, the stock price of Google and the down during the downturn of the 2009 recession, and then the bounce, the subsequent bounce back. And if you would have bought you know, a handful of stock then, you would have seen tremendous gains since and i mean even if you bought it in 2015 you would have seen tremendous gains just because of the way the market was but um google lost a ton of value during the during the the downturn and and uh ultimately it bounced back and then some but i also look at uh uh sears i have sears stock price on there and uh, at its peak in 2007 just before the recession hit uh it was 143 dollars a share and it just knocked that recession just knocked it out it exposed it for being uh not fundamentally strong and retail took a huge hit at this point and this is basically where e-commerce and amazon and and google and everything just started going crazy and and really making that switch uh, to where we're at today and you can see that sears just never recovered and just kept going down so that's the big risk too right so um, I like to point out both sides of that, the good and bad. And if you were trying to time individual stocks, it's really a lottery play uh, unless you're you know, skilled in value investing and you can spot the, uh, the solid businesses, uh, which isn't something that I do. Um, if you read any of my other posts, I'm into passive investing. Uh, I'm just into low fee index funds where you're not paying a manager to uh, actively manage your account at 1% or higher. You're paying less than a percent, uh, less than half of a percent on a lot of them like VTSAX, the Vanguard Total Stock Market uh, Index Fund. And it gives you exposure and diverse, diversification to the entire stock market or the entire S&P 500, essentially. And uh, it's like statistically one of the best ways to invest in the market for the average Joe, especially if you're going after FIRE, so the fire, uh, Financial Independent Retire Early. Um, so yeah, so the media and the upcoming recession is something to take with a grain of salt. Uh, they're going to stir up fear. That's how they operate, whether it's uh, fear in, in the world, fear in your local town, fear of money, fear of war, fear of guns, fear of uh, your neighbor, fear of absolutely everything. That's how they, that's, they're fear mongers. No matter what, what uh, station you subscribe to, uh, fear sells. So fear gets viewership, fear motivates people. One of the greatest motivations of all time to motivate somebody is to scare them. So it's to make them fearful of the future. So I don't, I usually typically watch the news that much. I get my news kind of aggregated through um, my own, this platform that I like to use and it kind of just weeds out a lot of that nonsense. But I like to know what's going on in the world, but I don't, uh, I don't need to be glued to it, uh, letting it dictate my mental state. Um, I have a great video on here of Dave Ramsey, uh, and his he had a rant what last week or week before about uh, about headed, being headed for a recession. And his ultimate standpoint is like, dude, it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like he's probably excited for it, but it, it's not a big deal uh, if you're prepared for it. If you kind of recession-proof your finances, which is basically just emergency-proofing your finances and being a, a good steward of your money. Uh, and I talk about in a lot of my other posts. So here's some here's some tips basically that uh, would help you if we went into a recession uh, in the upcoming months or, or years. Really, if you get rid of your debt uh, as much of it as possible, um, don't take on any new debt. Um, a lot of people will say anything less than four four and a half percent is fine. Uh, I I could be okay with that if it's a very small amount of your total net worth and your monthly income. Uh, then that's uh, that's probably okay. Uh, 
have an emergency fund in place, I like to say at least $10,000, depending on your bills, the size of your family, uh, your kind of your living situation, are you a single income household, double dual income household? A lot of people are gonna say six months of uh, living expenses, which isn't a bad idea. Uh, the reason I say 10,000 for us is because I the rest is going into a uh, Roth, personal Roth IRA, which uh, you can pull out your contributions if you absolutely need to. And I've never had an, <clears throat> an emergency long enough to where I would need to uh, have more than $10,000 cash on hand today where I couldn't take a week or two to get to that money if I needed. Uh, diversify your incomes or your investments. Uh, ultimately, index funds are the easiest ways to do that. Don't have all your money in your house, letting that be your sole way of, of increasing your net worth or your sole investment. Don't have it all in a rental. Uh, don't have it all in a single stock. Don't put it all on Tesla, for example. You gotta have exposure to lots of different uh, markets and um, ultimately that protects you against a single downturn. Um, so diversify your investments is important. Uh, hold more cash if it helps you sleep at night. I always sleep a lot better when we have more cash on hand, so that's a good one. And then don't overborrow in real estate. That's important. So don't buy too big of a house. Don't buy more house than you can afford. Don't buy more properties than you can afford. Um, if you're going to get into rentals, I'm not an expert on rentals, so I'm not going to touch on that. But be careful and know what you're doing, I would say. Um, and then the next thing is basically investing before, during, and after a recession. So um, investing before recession, um, we're... Our saving rate is roughly uh, right now, well, so far, the year to date is about 25% on average a month. That was before Kayla started working full-time as a teacher. So we're going to be up between 30 and 40%. So that's ultimately my investing before. During a recession, is probably going to be trying to increase that by at least 5%. Uh, just kind of seeing how that goes and, and play that by ear. I'll probably do a lot of observing and learning. Uh, and ultimately, either way, it doesn't really affect the rate at which I can uh, be financially independent. So I define financial independence as 25 times what I want to retire with or what I would want to be paid each month. Not that I'm going to quit working. I've gone into that in another, uh, another uh, episode. But uh, that's where I would say I'm financially independent and I could quit today if I wanted to. Um, so for us, it's at least uh, one and a half million bucks. So um that's what we're, our focus is on. I know with our investment strategy, we will be there uh, between 15 and 20 years. And with a recession, it would slow it down um, or it could speed it up depending on how we handle that, uh, the investment during and after the recession. So I'm not gonna be doing anything too crazy. You don't wanna be emotionally charged one way or the other in times of panic, but value investors, most successful investors in the world uh, typically go by the Buffett rule, which is, uh, buy companies when there's blood in the street, when there's fear in the market, when there's kind of over 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 widespread panic because the market usually overcompensates or over uh, overreacts to, to that panic. And uh, that goes into basically keeping your financial goals in mind. So you may see some opportunities. You may have some family that points you towards a hot stock tip. You might have uh, somebody tries to get you in a multi-level marketing scheme. Ultimately, bump it against your your ultimate your mission, vision, values for yourself. And I hope you've come up with at least a smart goal, a smart goal where you can work backwards and say, "Hey, I want to have a million and a half or 1.25 million dollars in 15 years." So I know mathematically I need to invest this much or this percentage uh, each month um, for this many years to get there. And if we go into a recession and I increase that a little bit, that's probably going to increase the amount of time it takes me. If we go into a recession and I don't change my investment strategy at all or I invest less and take cash out of the market, 
you're going to slow your, slow your rate down. Um, so ultimately keep that in mind when you're, uh, when you're going, when we're going into something like that, keep your, uh, keep your goals in mind and, you know, don't stray from the path. So that's really all I have for you. Uh, that was a, a good post. I felt solid about putting it up there on the website. Check out firethefamily.com. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff. I've put, make it, I'm releasing posts about every third day. I'll probably slow down a little bit here. Um, uh, I just want to get a lot of content out there. Uh, so a little bit about me before I go. I know I've, I've um, talked about it in my initial podcast episode, but I want to touch on it again in case you don't know who I am and you're just, just coming here. It's, uh, my name's Nick. I'm a dad, husband, veteran. Um, I love personal finance. I've been studying it since I was about 20. Uh, I read a lot of books on it. I've done a lot of practicing. I day traded for a while and I was, uh, had some successes there. I had some failures there. Um, ultimately I went to, uh, join the military as an aircraft mechanic for the air force. I got associates in, uh, in aviation management or maintenance, a bachelor's in integrated plant science, plant biology with a minor in biology. And just recently, uh, a couple months ago, finished my master's of business administration and MBA. So, um, that's me. I'm an account manager for a software company and, uh, my wife is a kindergarten teacher and, uh, we have, I mentioned three boys, seven, three, and one and a half years old. And they're amazing. So, uh, you can check out more about me, my wife, my kids, uh, on our website, firethefamily.com. You can catch me on Twitter at firethefamily on Instagram at the.nick.french. And I hope to, you know, build kind of a community around this and uh, I'm excited to interact and, uh, you know, come visit the site and say hello. And uh, thanks for hanging out on the episode. Have a good Sunday of your Labor Day weekend.